Welcome to your favorite fucking podcast, Whoa. you motherfuckers. Oh my God. We'll see you in hell. We'll talk about the fucking horror movies and the fucking sci fi movies and the fucking fantasy movies. And what the fuck were you doing watching fantasy movies anyway? What movie? Is that a Pesci? Pesci Pe- Casino? Yeah. 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 Not Good. your fucking casino or your fucking TV show. And what the fuck were you doing on the TV anyway? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my favorite Pesci performance. I think more deserving of the Oscar than Goodfellas. Out of control. I just watched a documentary about Goodfellas, the real Henry Hill. Okay. And they said... Isn't uh that a documentary about Henry Hill? Well, it's about Henry... Uh, the real Goodfellas, excuse me. Oh, okay. Henry Hill said they, in fact, in the movie, softened Pesci's character. <laughs> yeah, I'll they, buy that. He said in real life that guy was, like, strung out on coke. Yeah. And an absolute fucking maniac, like... No compromise, you yeah. know? And I was like, my God, I don't even... And then they they cut to Scorsese, and he goes, do I know what the real man was capable of? I don't want to know what the real man was capable of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome to the show. Um, I would like to say, before we go any further, that we should just get on with the show, and at the same time, on with the heat joe all the way it feels so right being with joe tonight what song is that the raspberries i don't know it <laughs> it was a little higher than i expected uh it just popped into my head you don't know go all the way it's in like outside providence and a lot oh of the song of from uh, caddyshack 2 no. Sooner or later, I gotta love somebody. <laughs> Paren- That's Kenny Loggins. Parentheses, love theme to Caddyshack 2. No, I have not heard that song. Uh, you yeah. should not go all the way. Jackie's theme. Yes. As in Jackie, yes. what's his face that started it? I really like the genre of music known as power pop, which could be could be extended to include an Elvis Costello, but really is more of like, a, to be honest, a modern practitioner would be your Gin Blossoms. Sure. Marshall Crenshaw, Lemonheads. Speaking of. And and the Raspberries were the pioneer of that form with Go All the Way. I, I recommend checking them out. I'll check it out. If I could just finish my goddamn thought. Sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on you. Go on. I just got excited because I was like, this is a thing we'll bond on. Yeah. Speaking of Power Pop, did you hear that new Weezer cover of Africa? I have gone out of my way to avoid hearing it. It is tremendous. Isn't it just Africa? Yeah, but it's... They, they, it's so weasery that I was like, did they get the guy from the rentals back in the band? Yeah. It's very keyboard heavy. It's a true cover of Africa. It's not like they change it up much. Right. But like when it hits that first chorus and for the first time the Weezer guitars come in and he's like, and Rivers is like, it's going to take a lot to take me away. It's fucking awesome, dude. All right. I'll listen to it. It's awesome. They I'll also- hear it when I see them live with the Pixies next week, which I'm moderately excited about it. i always I, love the pixies did you offer that to me and i passed i offered it to you three four times <laughs> is it too late no you can go but yeah but i can't sit with you at this point right figure something out i could sell mine and get a new one i'm going with my buddy brett where's it at forum forum i'd like brett to stay home you might be out of town or something i think you said you had something to do i'd like brett to stay home <laughs> all right 
Fine. And I'd like you to stay home. Give me the tickets. I'll go alone. Fine. I mean, Weezer and Pixies. I think, sadly, Weezer are the headliners of that show, but oh, oh well. Um, their cover of uh, Valoria left much to be desired for me because that's my favorite Pixie I song. It. I mean, look, I can't shit on Weezer too much. Their first two albums are shaped my life in a lot They're of ways. They're gold, the first two. Um, all right. Well, we're talking today about the film Solo directed by mr ron howard we'll get there um i think we've talked about all the we've talked about every star wars since the phantom menace on this show not the phantom menace the uh the force awakens well we even talked about uh we even did talk about the old ones because I, we when we did the episode about the most excited movie experiences you yeah that mine was phantom menace can i tell you i recently because i have it in 3d and sometimes i like to dust off my my old glasses and I watched The Force Awakens in 3D, which was really sweet. I enjoyed it. But I got to say, and I did not notice this the first time around, that John Boyega is very bad in that movie. Um, he is overacting to an absurd degree. He screams every line. He looks so panicked in every scene that it's, it's just a little it's much. kind of unbelievable. It's a little much. Maybe um, he was directed to do that, but man, I really did not like his performance. In I noticed movie. when I watched the second movie. Yeah. He kind of does like a Denzel thing. He mimics Denzel. Like he'll do like the nod thing. And I'm like, oh, he's like a big Denzel. Kind of like how Christian Slater used to do Nicholson. Christian Slater was Nicholson. Yeah, that's true. But Christian Slater was not the actor Nicholson was. No, of course, but he was just doing an impression. Yeah, so I'm yeah. saying, like, I'm not saying he's do, to that extent, but I'm just saying, like, if you watch him, you're like, I think he loves Denzel Washington. And Denzel Washington overacts, but he does it great. That's the yeah, thing. I mean, when he Denzel overacts, does it, it's great. And he can also underact without, without sure. problem. Denzel could be our finest living actor. I think he probably is. But, I mean, he's the only guy in a movie I've ever seen slap a Dixie cup off a table at the end that's of a scene. That's like, true. But, but, it, but I liked it. Yeah. I want to see Equalizer 2. Is it I do, too. Yet? I never saw Equalizer 1. So Equalizer 1 is fucking awesome, man. Um, I got to watch it tonight, and then we'll go, let's go see Equalizer 2. Because Brutally violent. Does movie pass even still? Like it, it's touch it and go. <laughs> we knew it was too good to last. I did it for years, and none of you motherfuckers even batted an eye when it was forty bucks. But then, instead of going from forty to twenty, where they still would have had, I bet, just as many subscribers, they dropped it to ten. We all knew it was too nuts. And they to dropped last. it to three for a month. We all knew in our hearts it was too nuts yeah. to last. I gave them as gifts to everyone I knew. And now it's blowing up. But no, I, I heard it doesn't work anymore. I think over the past couple of days, it's it's on and off. But when it's on, what they're planning on doing is removing your access to the first week and second week movies. So if it's Friday night, Mission Impossible 2 comes out, you can't see it. You got to see something else. And honestly, can live with you that. can't argue with that. No, I'm surprised they let you do it to begin with. Yeah. We, when you we used to get them. when you used to get free tickets like like as a gift somebody would give you ticket vouchers you, yeah. you couldn't go to a fucking right. first run movie i do feel i need to share uh well now it's two weeks ago fuck but uh this uh i saw the, i still follow the new beverly which is my favorite theater here in town which has been remodeling for too long it reopens in december but uh they said last week so now it would be two weeks ago was the 10-year anniversary, excuse me, 
tragically, the 20-year anniversary of the release of Kingpin. 20 years. 20 years. But wait a minute. Yeah, I was about 19 when that came out. But that, I thought that movie was 96. I think they were wrong. So then it's more than 20 years? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, 22. I think they're wrong, but I don't want to call them out. Well, while you look that up, yeah, we kind of buried the lead here, uh, and I can't believe we forgot to mention it on the first episode. Pat and I went to the Bruce Willis roast. Yeah, what? Why? Why would we not mention that? Uh, I I was invited by Comedy Central. I had a plus one. I said that plus one is only going to be the one. Yes, Mr. Patrick Walsh. I was very excited. Uh, we went down to this thing. We drank copious amounts of alcohol i mean they were just it was falling out of the trees in this i joint. drank so many before like even joe made it through the red carpet because <laughs> i was like i'm not doing this red carpet thing and then i went inside and instead had eight drinks and talked to nobody uh we were at a table where um at at each table they gave you and your friends uh you know who you were sitting with i mean yeah uh bottles about four bottles of wine uh, and we were at a table with my dear friend Christy Stefano, funny comic, his buddy that I had just met, uh, my buddy Scott Moran from Comedy Central, his lovely wife, my dear, one of my oldest and best friends, Ann Harris, uh, from also from Comedy Central, and Rachel Olson, another dear friend, also dear from friend Comedy Central. So, and I'll tell you, I know these people. I've hung with these people. I've worked with these people. We, we, we all like to have a couple drinks. Sure. So uh, we no, went through no that crime. four bottles of wine. Uh, Christ, we, I think before even Glazer finished her opening roast set. Yeah, we had another round. I did cool it a bit on the wine, but you, you turned it up. And I think at some point we met in the middle. I but, turned up the wine. I asked the table next to us if I could have their wine that they didn't seem to be drinking. They gave it to me. Yeah. And, the, and then everybody at our table cheered. I thought I was going to get chastised. Well, then I'm starving. I hadn't eaten all day, and I'm devouring these chips. And then the guy next to me goes, wait, where are the CBD chips? Every table is supposed to have CBD chips. So they're marijuana-laced. I ate about 400 of them. Uh, luckily, not THC, but I felt like highly relaxed like deep muscle relaxer relaxed yeah and uh i had a great time went over to the after party bruce stepped on my foot um kevin pollock stole the show i didn't watch the roast kevin was kevin was wonderful it was great running into him at the after party and getting to tell him dude it was great i dm'd him the next day Mm-hmm. on twitter again i was like i can't get the the joke out of my head joke of the night yeah the uh, joke was edward norton's here uh he used to date courtney love which is sort of a sweet romantic way of saying no 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 that's not how you say it all right, that's not Chuck. how he said it <laughs> go on punchline would have been about the same he's you think so i do Go All on. right, I'm sorry. Maybe it's better. Go on. No, you, he goes, Edward Norton's here. You know, early in Edward's, Ed's career, he used to run around town with Courtney Love. And he said, let me think of, see if I can think of a better, you know, more professional way to say that. I'm giving you the punchline. Oh, Edward Norton has AIDS. <laughs> I would say my setup was better. Well, maybe he did set it up your way. 
Look, I, I just said I drank a fucking bottle and right, a half right, of right. rosé in 10 minutes. It I was a know. killer joke. I didn't watch it edited together because I didn't. there was a lot of that I didn't need to see again. But this thing was, I mean, it starts off, they got Ving Rhames spoofing the Pulp Fiction scene with like, that's pride fucking with you. Um, there's sound issues right from the jump. By the way, was it Ving Rhames? Because he never turned to face camera. I confirm with my buddy Ian who works at Comedy Central. It was his voice. He said, I'll, I'll send you in Oh, my voice. But the tape kind of fucks up, and then from the it really set the tone of like a real ramshackle off the rails kind of evening, as I think all these roasts are. But like you have people up there who aren't well mentally. Dennis Rodman, <laughs> that was one of the. I mean, he's not a stand-up, but it was one of the worst stand-up sets I've ever seen. What I was talking about with my buddy Ian, he did and start what, weeping at one point. He did start weeping from inspiration. And it didn't seem like he knew Bruce Willis all that well. But he was weeping because of how inspired he was. By right. Him. And he did say, "Every time I talk about you, I get like this." Yes. And everyone, including Bruce's closest friends, made quote jokes that really didn't seem like jokes about how racist Bruce Willis was. The first one Kevin Pollock did, where he's like surprised to see a couple black guys on the dais, because uh, I got to tell you. Bruce Willis does not like the blacks. <laughs> Gets a huge laugh and Bruce laughs and you're like, okay, great joke. But so many people commented on his racism that I think it was true. Pat and Bruce laughed at everyone. About three quarters through the show, Pat leaned over and he goes, too many people have made the joke that he's racist for it to not be kind of <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, of course. Uh, I got some big laugh. I, again, I drank too much, but I got a real nice laugh from our table. I don't remember what it was. I remember exactly what it was. Okay, go on. Because I cherish your moments. <laughs> I do. It was during Dennis's Rodman's thing. The guy's spiraling into a fucking pit on stage. He, we, he's not making any sense. Yeah. And then uh, and it, we uh, Dennis had hit about the 17-minute mark in his <laughs> spiel. Yeah. And uh, it's de- the audience, I mean, it was dead silent. It was very awkward. And this is coming from a guy that saw the Donald Trump roast and watched the, si- the uncut bombing of the situation right. at that thing, which I didn't think could be topped right. until I saw the Dennis Rodman <laughs> bombing at the Bruce Willis roast. Uh and you just in a in a in a very dead quiet moment you went, all right, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. You yeah. gave him the rap. All up. right, Dennis. Yeah, it was that was real tough. Uh, well, it's also like Joseph Gordon-Levitt was the host, and Edward Norton's up there. These are like res- highly respected actors and performers. And I kept turning to Joe, like, what must these guys be thinking? Like, what did I agree to? I assumed if they asked me, they had other big names. Like, wh- how are we going to get out of this? And maybe Lil Rel had sort of the same thing. But everybody just seemed like, what? Like, can you imagine you're Edward Norton, Academy Award nominee, and you show up and you're sitting next to a man who meets with Kim Jong-un <laughs> and who is notably not well. Mentally. Ed Norton, surprisingly funny. Edward Norton was funny. Dennis Rodman, I don't know if they show this on the roast, but he looks at the microphone and he goes, his, his, his opener reminds me of my dick. Oh, really? That's I missed that. I was outside like, smoking. Holy shit, Dennis. I was outside smoking. You expected more? Holy shit, Dennis. Uh, I was outside smoking when Dennis first went on. I came in about five minutes in and I was like, oh, Jesus, I better get to my seat because yeah. this is magical. I believe his second line was, and if you think you're worried about your age status, Edward... I fucked Madonna raw. And the crowd was like, ugh. I believe that's when I walked in, actually. <laughs> it was just like, I don't know. 
it was uh he he was rough i think rough for a lot of people um but all in all a pretty fun evening fun night a very fun evening fun event fun night thank you for bringing me right now you know i'm sorry again that i tried to retell the pollock joke i feel bad about that it's fine joe I, I honestly do feel bad about that, which lets you know where I'm at emotionally right You shouldn't now. feel bad about it. You've ruined a lot of things for me. <laughs> uh, let's talk trailers. Uh, have you seen the new Godzilla trailer? Yeah. I, in fact, I posted about it. What did you post? I post, is anybody going to tell the Godzilla people they used the wrong music <laughs> in that new trailer? I thought... I mean, the first Godzilla was horseshit, in my opinion. Oh, t- terrible horseshit. And, the, of course, the Matthew Broderick one was even worse. <laughs> but I thought they're very wise to go in what feels like a different, almost Spielbergian direction. And I loved the music, and I think most people did. It's like inspirational fucking music. It's like, come on, dude. It's Godzilla. The, the well, Godzilla. It's the Blue Daniel. It's a classic piece of classical music i don't give a fuck what it is i thought it worked beautifully they said we have they go we have one hope right godzilla comes out of the water you're like there he is the man Mm -hmm. he opens his mouth you're waiting to hear the iconic fucking thing the scream to get chills to and then they start playing fucking classical music i'm like come on man this is stupid Worked for me. I mean, if it had had the standard every action movie dun, 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 with, with Godzilla, I'd be like, I don't, I'm not going to see that. I hated the first one. This made me feel like they're doing something different. I think they knew they had to do something pretty different. I, I respected it. How about the new Predator trailer? Wait a minute. I'm not done with Godzilla. Okay. Uh, I'm getting a little tired of seeing Millie Bobby Brown hyperventilating in scenes about things. Agreed. Uh, I hope she's good in the movie. She's a very good actor, but, you know, I was like, all right, you know, they're just plucking from the Stranger Things tree again. You think we've got enough news stories about her breaking up with a YouTube star? It's in the news. Her breaking up? She's 11. Yeah, there's there's news reports about it, and I'm not only talking about fucking People Weekly. You you can have this world, guys. Yeah. I'm out. Uh, The, uh, also, I got to say, it's a little, the plot is a little video game-ish when Vera Farminga, however you say her last name, is like, there are seven titans. If we don't find all seven, sure. the world will be destroyed. I'm like, this sounds like a fucking video game, man. Come on. And it's like, why would you have to find the seven titans <laughs> for the world to, what? Right. So I we'll see. We'll see. I hope it's good, man. I hope it's good. But uh yeah, I'm excited to see Mothra and and uh, you know, Gahirdra or however the fuck you say it. Uh, whole squad on deck. Yeah. They're doing a Sandlot prequel. Couldn't give a shit. Love the Sandlot. Me too. A prequel? So yeah. what they're all embryos <laughs> playing baseball? It's just a guy coming into a baseball <laughs> mitt. Uh, was, I think my first tweet was uh, take it easy, Sandlot narrator. It's kids playing baseball. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Because <laughs> every moment of that movie is narrated within an inch of its life. Yeah. Uh, but it's a great movie, of course. I remember I saw it in a sneak preview at the Mid Rivers Mall 6. And this was during a time that when they showed you a sneak preview of something, meaning you got to see it a week early, which was always awesome they would throw in a second feature 
that had been playing a while because they were so glad you were doing them the favor of seeing their movie early. That's nice. So it was Sandlot and Groundhog Day, a movie I was dying to see again. Different time. I wish they'd bring that back. It was great. I still love a double feature, but you got to pay for it or sneak. I haven't seen the new Predator trailer. I saw the first one they released. I thought the first one they released was bad. Uh, I the new one think... looks fun. It okay. looks fun. I, I want to see the movie. You know, the first trailer, I was like, come on, guys. You're not even giving a... He- when you do the Predator reveal, give him a hero shot. Sure. And it's like a back over the shoulder side angle is the first right. time they show the... I'm like, what are you doing? Right. Come He's on, guys. He's on the toilet when they, yeah, like, <laughs> they get to him. But uh, I hope it's good. Kingpin, because I have to, uh, I was also uh, diagnosed with OCD over the hiatus, little confessional for you. Oh, really? Uh, which was a long time coming. I, I was not surprised by that news, but I have to close off conversations. So Kingpin was released on July 26th, and they said on this day in 1996, so we're talking about the 22nd anniversary of yeah, a movie I saw in the theater, which yeah. is disturbing. Uh, let me take you to an abbreviated Pat's Movie Corner because we've been shooting the shit. I saw uh, Sicario, the Day new- of the Solid Dad. Solid Dad? Yes. Um, I really loved the original Sicario, and I rewatched it and loved it again. But I think a big, big part of that is that it was directed by Villeneuve in the same style as Prisoners with Roger Deakins, the greatest cinematographer of all time. So it held up, but it was because of how amazingly shot it was. Everything about the new Sicario is trying to mimic the original, but that's kind of great because it's like an up-and-coming cinematographer and an up-and-coming director who are like really trying to match those heights and they get off with some really awesome shots the story itself very entertaining the guy who writes it and he wrote wind river and the original scario uh tyler sheridan and hell or high water as well i like the way the guy writes he makes every scene interesting in some way um it's not all the boredom that i get so often going to the movies now he keeps things moving keeps the twists coming del toro fucking kills it Brolin's fine. There's no Emily Blunt. But I got to recommend it. It's very entertaining. Check right. it out. Uh, I saw The Last Movie Star starring Burt Reynolds. Okay. How was that? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call it a good movie. Yes. But it's enjoyable. Okay. He is charming enough in it. And his co-star, who is a like a tw- 19-year-old girl, yeah, who I've never seen in anything else. He's not fucking her. No, she's okay. she's like a like sort of like punk rocky like hipster girl, and she gets stuck driving him, like kind of taking him around this town during this film festival, and he's pissed because he goes down to this film festival thinking it's going to be this big honor, and he gets there and it's like you know it's basically like some kids that rented out the Alamo Draft House, yeah, and they're excited he's there, but he's kind of a prick to them, and he gets drunk, and and then the next day this this girl who's the, her brother is running the festival, 
she gets commissioned to pick him up. And Burt Reynolds is basically like, you're going to take me now to relive all my memories. Uh, He's not playing Burt Reynolds. Two towns over. No, but it, it might as well be. Okay. It's 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 literally Burt Reynolds. He's it's like he's like I was a great actor. I made some bad choices. Right. You know, it's it's all it's the same story. And um, and you know, there's some very sweet moments. There's some very touching moments. It's not good. Yeah. Um, but that I think a lot of that has to do with the direction. It, it could have been directed better. Uh, the writing's cliche at times, but you know, for me, I was just I was I, I enjoyed just seeing Burt Reynolds on screen again and and being kind of funny and sure, you know, not doing. I mean, because I I kind of check in with Burt Reynolds every couple of years. We saw him and, in person. Yeah, and I mean, he's made some doozies. Yeah, in the last, I mean, there's that movie with him and Richard Dreyfus where they're like the old mafia the guys. Crew. I've seen it. I mean, it's it's embarrassingly bad. Not unlike a movie we pitched on this very show. Yeah. Which somebody pointed out to me, starred Martin Mull and Dabney Coleman. Our movie did? Yeah. It was people who, like, breaths, breath smell like coffee. So we, I remember we had Dabney Coleman. We had Craig T. Nelson. Yeah. And Ben Stiller was the young guy yeah. or something. But I never can remember who the other older guys were. I don't think Martin Mull was one of them. No, that might have been a different bit where we were talking about whose breath smells the most like coffee. Well, that was part of our old man movie. Okay. But it was that Dabney. was Dabney Coleman. It was all guys that you said you'd feel like they were your dad as soon as you right. met them. It was Craig T. Nelson, Dabney Coleman. Uh, was Keach in the mix? No. Burt Young? No. Well, anyway. I don't know. People can dig it up. It's it's an enjoyable enough film if you want to see Burt Reynolds on screen again doing something sort of comical. Um, and it's got enough schmaltz in it that it'll, that it'll touch your heart. But, uh, but uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're on the fence about it, I wouldn't push you to see it. Okay. I saw Tully, the new uh, Diablo Cody, Jason Reitman collaboration. Joe, what, what's your thoughts on Juno? That doesn't seem like a movie you would enjoy. Uh, too quirky for me. I like Jason sure. Reitman's work quite a bit, but but that film is too quirky for me. First half hour of Juno made me want to rip my balls off and eat them, and then the last hour I think is actually great and very touching and funny. Um, and I liked Diablo Cody's writing. I liked her horror movie, Jennifer's Body. I liked uh, Young Adult a great deal. Yeah, I liked Young Adult quite a bit. Uh, also Jason Reitman. But uh, I saw the new one, Tully, which is about a woman who's very overwhelmed by motherhood. And I know that doesn't sound interesting at all. That sounds interesting. But there's like, yeah, it was funny. There's there's a twist that I missed. And when I told my staff that I missed the twist, they made fun of me, rightly so, for about an hour. <laughs> all right. But... Due to my OCD, I often focus on the wrong things in movies, and I miss the major things. There's a great twist that I missed, and when you see it, you'll think that I'm very stupid. But the movie is amusing. It is extremely well acted. They do have Ron Livingston and Mark Duplass in a lot of scenes together, yeah. but they're not playing brothers. Yeah, that's confusing. And you can't tell them apart. I don't think that was a smart move. That's they confusing. look identical. Um, but it's certainly worth. It. That seems like something that'll pop up on Netflix instant pretty quick, and it's it's a it's an entertaining movie. I recommend it. It's very 
interesting, and I think a lot of people can relate to it who are thinking about kids and et cetera. All right. And close this out with this one. You ready? Yeah. I watched Fletch again. I'd seen Fletch a million times. Sure. I love Fletch. Never saw Fletch Lives. Okay. I watched it. I've seen for it. For the first time. Man, that movie's been trashed to me my entire life. Yeah. It's fine. It's a funny fucking... It's Fletch. It's another goddamn Fletch movie. It's not the first one, but I mean, I think it was terrible. I enjoyed it. Uh, I've always enjoyed Fletch Lives. I think some of the characters he does are even funnier, but it's it's a much worse movie. Um, yeah. But it's better than, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Caddyshack 2, for example. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be like that level of bad. No. It's, uh, it's dumb, but I, I enjoyed it. It's just nice to see a thing that he was in where he's funny. Yeah. Because I hadn't, you know, I hadn't seen him be funny in so goddamn long. It's been a long time. Um, Clark, Gris- Clark Griswold, though, one of the best characters of all time. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the guy's one of the funniest actors of all time. It's yeah. just, you know, but um, I'm going to forego scary stuff this week. Okay. In honor of Scream NNs. Wait, de- what is it? Deadline, twenty deadlines from the Scream NN twenty four hour news psycho. Psycho, yeah. Very exciting movie news, uh, folks. You know what a Star Wars freak I am, and we're doing solo this week. Uh, they just made a bunch of an, for, today that we are recording. That you know, when you hear this, it'll be a week later, but or a week and a half. But today that we are recording, they they started shooting episode nine. And they made some really great confirmed announcements this week leading up to the shooting. Mark Hamill is confirmed to come back as Luke Skywalker. Is this Ryan Johnson as well? No. J.J. Abrams is back. Okay. Uh, I believe that J.J. Abrams is going to take the good parts of what Ryan Johnson did and also inject a lot of nostalgia into it and really end this saga on a high note. Is this ending the saga? Yeah, this is it. This okay. is the end of the Skywalker saga. Nine nine parts. Um, anyway, Skywalker's back. Um, they don't know if it's going to be as a force ghost or if he's still alive, but he's back. They have Leia in it because they had unused footage from Episode 7 of Carrie Fisher, and they figured out a way to work Leia into the plot so she's actually in the movie. That is fantastic, fantastic mm-hmm. fucking news. Depends on what it looks like, but okay. Um, it'll look great. I mean, it's right. it's not going to be like you know that you know, she's like cut into a scene right. with like a like a weird fuzz around her because right. they edited it. <laughs> uh, uh. Also, there's a rumor that J.J. Abrams will be tying in a lot of references to the prequels and to the original trilogy, uh, to kind of give a cohesiveness to this entire series. I love that. I think that's awesome. I like that Ryan Johnson did that. Um, there are rumors that they might return to Vader's castle from Rogue One. There are rumors that there might be an Obi-Wan Force ghost. There are rumors that there might be uh, uh, an Anakin Force ghost. And perhaps the biggest news just behind Carrie Fisher, uh, Carrie Fisher's almost impossible return is confirmed. Billy D. Williams is coming back as Lando. Okay. So uh, I just think he's going to put a really, really nice period on this entire thing. And, it, right. and, and it's going to be, I'm very excited. And speaking of Solo, which we'll get to in a minute, they're not doing other movies in the Solo verse, are they? 
They were he. They signed them for a trilogy. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to do it now because the movie didn't do well. Right. By Star Wars standards, it didn't do well. Right. I mean, Christ Almighty, if it was a fucking, you know, if it was Daddy's Home Three, they, they would have been like, we got to make four more of these things. Did you uh, see the Halloween trailer? One last big horror trailer before we move on to Solo. I did. Thoughts? Underwhelming. Yeah, it looked to me sort of like a continuation of the Rob Zombie ones, which I don't think anybody was thrilled with. And for it to be David Gordon Green and fucking uh, Danny McBride, who have made some of my favorite things of the last 10 years, I was a little, I guess, underwhelmed is a good word. I'm not going to write it off. I'm not, I'm certainly happy Jamie Lee's back, but I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um. But my takeaway from that initial trailer was this is a remake of H2O. This is just a variation of H2O. They already did this. They already did the storyline where he comes back. Right. She's been waiting. She has to face him and become the hunter herself. They've right. already done this. So this is a different variation of that. Fine. Um, but that was my first thought. I think it carries much less weight that they are making this a direct sequel to the first film and negating the fact that they're brother and sister. That To me, that makes it carry much less weight for his return to kill her right. and her obsession with him potentially returning. I just don't buy that. The, 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 the bloodline thing made sense to me. It's like, you, you, he, I'm the one that got away in the family. He has to kill me. Right. And now it's just like, Okay, so you're pretty sure this dude's going to come back to Haddonfield and kill you? Yeah. So you've been like doing this like militia training for the last 30 years or whatever it's been. Why wouldn't you just leave the town? Sure. Why wouldn't you just move away somewhere? Why wouldn't you try to just put this? But I don't look. Maybe they'll answer closure. those questions. In she it. wants closure. Maybe they'll answer those questions in it. I hear it's fucking brutal. I hear it's super violent, and I hear it's scary, so I hope that's the case. But the trailer, I didn't think... It's like The Predator. I want to see it. I think the trailer didn't do it justice. You got to hope that they're doing what so few trailers do and saving some for when you see the fucking movie, keeping, yeah. keeping some to the vest. But I just feel like their comedy is so aggressive, so like different and weird that I can't imagine they did a straightforward horror movie. I can't imagine that. I hope not. You think they did like a comedy horror? No, no, no. I mean, I, I feel like at least it'll be like memorably weird and fucked up. Well, I saw I a, they, at some horror con, they had a, a mask replica from the new movie. Yeah. Of a severed head that um, Michael Myers had carved on the face into like a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. And it looked awesome and horrifying. And I was like, okay, well, fuck, if they're bringing that kind of shit, I'm into it, you know? Sure. But we'll see, you know? I didn't think H2O looked good when it came out, and then I saw it in the theater, and I fucking loved it. So, yeah. you know. I'll be excited. We'll, we'll do it on opening night and get it get it out to you folks. Um, but let's talk about Solo. Solo, which was at least initially directed by uh, Lord and Miller, who I think are very creative guys, more in the comedy space. But they've done some really great things. 
Lego movie, Last Man on Earth, mm-hmm. etc. Um, and at some point, they didn't like the direction it was going in. I don't know if that meant too jokey or what, or how much input they had, or if they were. I think, I, from what I heard, they were changing the script too much. But uh, was replaced by Ron Howard. And I will admit that even though I have loved Ron Howard directing across all genres in a way that I never feel like he got enough respect for, Parenthood is a fantastic comedy. Paul 13 is a fantastic drama. Backdraft is a fantastic action movie. Like, he's kind of done it all. Willow's a great fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. He's a, a kind of a jack of all trades. Splash, a great romantic comedy, etc. Um, but I went in thinking he's old, he's past his prime. I was excited about some young, hip guys' take on this franchise. And now I think we're going to watch a, a very boring version. And I could not have been more pleasantly surprised. It was old-fashioned, but in like the best way. Uh, co-written by Lawrence Kasdan, one of the greatest screenwriters of all time. Yes. Indy Jones, for Christ's sake. Like, uh, just the best, and him and his son wrote it together. The love of Star Wars shone through. And um, my only grievance would be the casting of the lead dude who I loved in Hail Caesar. I don't think he was there for this part, but we can discuss him. On the whole, I thought this was just a very entertaining and very well-written, thoughtfully written action movie, which you never see anymore. Side note. Yes. Lawrence Kasdan wrote it with his son, right? Yes. Uh, his son just replaced David Kep, and he is now the writer for the last Indiana Jones installment, which I think is quite poetic because his dad wrote the first one. Yes. And I think after seeing Solo, Spielberg was probably like, you get... You get like the cat. You get it. You get why right. this guy has to, because they're similar characters, obviously. But um, did did Kep do a draft they didn't like, or they just booted him without even? I don't know. I was I was never thrilled that nothing against David Kep, but you know, as far as I can tell, he's written two good movies. You know, Jurassic Park, and I think he wrote Shawshank Redemption. No, he didn't. He wrote Stir of Echoes, which I love. It's fine. David Kep's written like some really solid Ghost Town movies. Not Ghost Town, but he's uh, written some solid movies. Uh, Broken Window with Johnny Depp. Secret Window Secret was a Window. terrible movie. No, but he's he's written some good films. Let me pull, hold on, let me pull. I want to. I want to pull this up. Uh, as I pull, Jurassic this. Park is a perfect action screenplay. Well, yeah, but as we all know, there are a lot of cooks with these things. That's true, so. and I think Stir of Echoes is an excellent horror screenplay. It's passable. We've talked about it. The uh, he's probably better with adaptations. I mean, those are both adaptations. Um, I loved Solo. I yes. loved. Okay, David. Kep, sorry, he wrote the latest Mummy. All right, I didn't see it. Inferno, the didn't, third of the. Yeah, I didn't see that. Da Vinci Code movies. He wrote the original Mission Impossible. Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Didn't see it. Premium, Premium Rush, Rush is a fun movie. I never saw it. It's a fun ass movie. Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, okay. Angels and Demons. Didn't see it. Ghost Town. Panic Room's good. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. War of the Worlds. Carlito's Way. Now, there's a good fucking screenplay. Zathura. (laughs) Death Becomes Her. All right. He's look. He's right up the middle. He created the television series Hack. I can't believe you didn't (laughs) mention Mordecai, for Christ's sake. I mean, if ever there was a vote for your side, it'd be Mordecai. Um, he also wrote Jurassic World, The Lost World. I like The Lost World. 
The second one? Yeah, I do. You like the second one? As a as a fun time? Yeah. All right. All right. I mean, I haven't seen that since I was 14. Who knows? But um Toy Soldiers I like. Anyway, I loved I loved Solo. Um yeah. I went in I was very nervous. I was very nervous about the casting of uh Alden Heidenreich or something. Yeah, however you say it. Alden Third Reich. I feel like just how they used to change Jewish actors' names when they would become actors. I'm surprised they don't change a name like Heidenreich. It, <laughs> it doesn't instill warmth when you yeah. hear that name. The uh but I uh I was nervous going in. Uh I was like, is this gonna be just an over the top slapstick thing? Like wh- how is it? And within 45 seconds i was sold i love the way it opened soldo soldo i love the way it opened and uh with 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 like a sort of uh not a tech not the not the crawl like usual but like just some sort of text telling you what's going on uh i love the opening sequence with him with solo coming back to his like you know orphanage or whatever you want to call it and then like as soon as that like the fat, the, the, the what do they call her? The foul lady, whatever. That like worm woman. Yeah. As soon as she popped out of the water, I was like, "This is awesome, man! This is like Job of the Hut shit." And the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, "Please don't, please don't fuck this up! Like, don't let up! Like, don't take a turn!" And it never did. I loved every minute of it. The only thing I didn't like, I thought the the Wookie talk joke was really dumb. Um, I thought it was unnecessary. Uh, and t- a little too z- silly but i mean even those details like you know when they say we're gonna feed him to the beast i didn't see that coming and then it's chewbacca and that's how they meet right F- uh i loved i mean i was watching that train heist scene which is the most perfect thing you could ever have han solo do great is a train robbery scene, yeah yeah great action scene i'm watching it and i'm like jesus christ this is is we're not even through the first act of this movie yet yeah and they're doing this fucking crazy like that was one of the better action scenes of all Star Wars, I would say. It was awesome. Yeah. Woody Harrelson, I loved. Um, and I just like all those Easter eggs. I like when you see how Han gets his blaster. I like how you see how he meets Chewie. I like how you... I like when uh, uh, Woody Harrelson is like, there's a there's a gangster on Tatooine putting a big job together. Mm-hmm. And you know he's talking about Jabba. And then at the end of the movie... Han's like, let's go to Tatooine for this job. And he's like, trust me, nothing's going to go wrong. Right. And then you realize, no, everything's going to go wrong. That's why he gets fucking frozen in carbonite and Empire Strikes Back. It was just awesome. And I actually really thought Alden was great in that role. I thought he nailed what a younger version of that character would be. A lot of charisma, a lot of swagger, a lot of confidence. Sure. and But idealistic and not knowing what's what just yet. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's Harrison Ford, you know, like, I guess, for me, the guy didn't have that star power. A few do, but he was a guy who was really funny in, like, a few scenes in a Coen Brothers movie. To this role, I don't think he was there yet. He didn't carry the gravitas for me, although I didn't think he was bad. And, in fact, I liked him. Mm -hmm. uh i just for me i think and maybe you can offer your thoughts on why it didn't do as well i think for me the two reasons are anytime there's a prequel 
you know the person lives, the stakes are eliminated by a million percent. Sure. Um, but also, I think it was the casting of that guy. I think that a lot of people scratched their heads and were like, a lot of people still need stars. Most people's number one question when they go to see a movie is who's in it. Even a Broadway play at this point, who's in it is always the big question. I just don't think that's a name that got anybody excited. But maybe I'm well, wrong. This is why I disagree. Harrison Ford was not a star when he played Han Solo. He only got the part because they were paying him to read with other actors. And then finally they were like, he seems to be reading it better than anybody right. else. That was a that was a different, less star obsessed time. So know. yeah, but but so I think it would have been a big mistake to put somebody recognizable in this role. I think the reason it didn't do well is because unfortunately, Star Wars fans have become the new Bernie Bros, where even though the cause is righteous yeah. and pure, uh, there's a there's a percentage of these people really really polluting the pool, uh, and I think that they're just a lot of these fans are just fucking miserable. It didn't matter who they put in this goddamn thing. They were going to be pissed off. And and that was it. I mean, they they didn't throw a goddamn fit about Donald Glover playing Lando. I thought Donald was great. Donald Glover was the high point of the movie. Um, Stole the movie. I, I thought was. he was fucking great. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, they threw a fit about about this kid playing Han. And, and you know, and it takes t- place 10 years before Star Wars. Sure. So I I really loved it. Um, I thought he was fine. I thought Glover... I I wished that they had matched the perfection of the casting of Glover as Lando and found somebody equally that great as Han. And again, not saying I didn't like him. It just didn't quite... He didn't jazz me up when he was on screen. But for me, the star of this one is, you know, as we talked about last week with Hereditary... There are points where it kind of doesn't add up and make sense. This is like a classic Lawrence Kasdan style screenplay where you really give a shit about everything connecting and making perfect sense. And you feel that watching it. It doesn't feel like a movie that's making it up on the fly like a lot of these Marvel movies do. It felt like a true story being told. And that's what I appreciated about it the most, I would say. I saw it twice in the theater. The second time I saw it, when they're doing the Kessel Run, which is awesome that you get to see the Kessel Run, uh, you know, initially, um, the uh, uh, what's her name from uh, Game of Thrones, um, Amelia. Yeah, I didn't even know that was her, but Amelia Clark, Amelia Earhart. Yes, Amelia Bedelia, I believe. <laughs> uh, She's like co-piloting the ship with Han. Yeah. Because they're old friends. And then like when Chewie says like, I can fly, whatever. And Han's like, you can. And then Chewie's like, here's how you do this or whatever. And she realizes he's more suited to fly Mm -hmm. as the co-pilot that she is. And she goes, Chewie, you're up. And they're in the fucking Kessel Run. And for the first time in the history of the Star Wars universe... Chewbacca gets de- sits down next to Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon, and for the first time in the movie, they play the Star Wars music, and I fucking wept like an excited. I, I, I it just it hit me through you, the fucking heart, dude. I loved it so much. I tell you, there there's no scenario where I I could ever cry at a Star Wars movie. I don't have the nostalgia for that, but uh, I I respect that it made you feel that way. And then, of course. The Darth Maul cameo at the end was fucking awesome. 
Yeah, I thought maybe I was missing something there and that was another Darth or something because I was just sort of thrown by that. I guess if he's going to appear in the rest of the trilogy, if they're, I guess they're not going to do it. They can, Well, I mean, hopefully they do, but they completed Darth Maul's story in the cartoons. Right. And it's an awesome story. So he already has come back in that universe. Okay. So when they showed him in there, I was like, holy shit, they're going to tie this in now. Yeah. Because they're slowly tying in Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars and all that, all the, all the TV stuff right. that they do on Disney. And that was amazing. But the best part about seeing this movie for me was the day after I saw it, Matt McCarthy, our dear friend, and I were texting. And we were, he was like, I loved it so much. And Christ, and, uh, and he goes, man, that fucking Darth Maul alien at the end was awesome. And uh -huh. I was like, what do you mean alien? And he's like, that guy that looked like Darth Maul. And I, and I got to be like, Matt, that was fucking Darth Maul. Didn't right. you see his robotic legs? That, that was, that's always I didn't fun. think it was him either. I just thought it was another guy. It gives so much more stakes to the, it ties the empire now right. to the entire thing. You, the, the twist at the end is you find out the fuel that the, that the pirates are trying to steal is for the rebellion. And then you find out that the people trying to squash the pirates are connected now to the empire and the Sith. It gives so much more weight to the movie. So I don't read the online shit so much anymore. What are are people liking it that have seen it, or were people pissed about it? And some why? people like it, some people hate it. Are these the same people that hated Last Jedi, or different? Look, let me tell you about these fucking people. They're getting it's getting dark. It's it's hard. They harass that poor girl off the, uh, yeah, the internet. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. And um, here's the thing: these same fucking trolls, these same people. They complained for a year and a half straight that all Ryan Johnson was going to do was remake Empire Strikes Back. Right. And then Ryan Johnson was like, no, I didn't. Completely didn't do that. Yeah, and I did a completely different thing. And then they get pissed off that he did a completely different thing. I mean, these, these are miserable, miserable fucking people mm -hmm. that want everything to be exactly the way they thought it would be in their head the first time they see it. They have no ability for growth. They have no ability to watch. You're, you're closer to them than you might think, Joe. Stop it. But but go on. Uh, stop it. Go on. I saw The Last Jedi four fucking times right. because I wanted to I wanted to get it. And right. then I finally got it. Yeah. Um I dug that last Jedi because it was taking chances. Yeah, I liked it too. Yeah. I think it was what the middle needed. Right. Especially so now JJ comes back in and does like the here's what you thought it was going to be, and here's what you wanted, and it's the big payoff, right. and then it's over. Um, but, I mean, they, they're not going to be happy any way you, you cut it for no. them. I, I just don't get... I was Look, I was a defender of the prequels. I was never a person that thought more Star Wars was bad. I was always a person that thought, hey, man, if there's, if there's more that I don't like or don't care for that much, that's fine. It's still more. Yeah. You like what you like and whatever, and... Uh, and God Almighty, did I fight with those fucking nerds over over Phantom Menace and and uh, all that shit, you know? But uh, but I, I I love this movie. It was a home run, in my right. opinion. Yeah, I I had a really great time with it. I saw it with a buddy of mine, and we were both just like kind of beaming afterwards. It was uh, and you know talk about hype wor working for a movie because the advance hype on it was like it's a bomb. Nobody gives a shit. So and I saw it eight weeks after it came out, and I was just like, "Wow, this really should have done better." And I think it will find its audience, but you know, weirdly, even though it was very tied into Star Wars lore, 
it didn't get that bump. Like people didn't give a yeah. shit about it. It's really weird. I can't wait to own it. I can't wait to watch it again. The only reason I didn't see it a third time in the theaters, I didn't want to burn it out. Um, but I'm really excited to own it. I'm very, very excited to show it to people. It became instantly one of my more favorite Star Wars films. Uh, and that's it. It was great. You can see that quote on the DVD box. It'll say, Joe DeRosa, one of my more favorite Star Wars films. Because <laughs> they wanted a quote that was really well written. Um, Always with the mouth. <laughs> folks, and I think that's the first folks of our of our uh, new uh, residency over here. Uh, we're, we're happy to be back. We're thrilled to be back. Uh, I am on... Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. Watch for the new show I'm running, Cool Kids, September 28th on Fox. And we are doing a live show October 20th at a place called Oh My Ribs here in Los Angeles. We're doing two shows, one at 7.30, one at 9.30. $20 for a single show, $30 for both shows. The ticket link and is... And both shows will be different, by the way. Both That's shows are different. thing to mention, yeah. Ticket link is not quite live yet, but it should be coming soon per the venue. And anyone attending that 930 or returning later after the 730 uh, is welcome to join Joe and I for a night of heavy drinking at a local bar. Uh, Upcoming shows, I think we're going to do Mission Impossible for sure. I think we're going to do Castle Rock on Hulu for sure. And I know that we're going to do Gotti probably for the Patreon yes uh go to the hog house page on etsy we have stickers posters t-shirts and hats and we are going to give you a patreon this month those are my updates and news joe uh away. joe derosa comedy only on instagram now no more twitter and uh i will be i guess when this drop look i'm going to be at the dc draft house the 17th and 18th of august so yeah this comes out before that uh, and then I'll be at the Red Clay Comedy Festival in Atlanta in uh, September. Uh, and also doing some shows in that in and around that region um, that uh, following week. So uh, I hope to see you then, folks. We'll see you. We'll see you later. And we'll see you in hell.